Welcome to the Joe Watt Podcast. I am Joe Vendramini from the University of Florida Range Cattle Research and Education Center. And today our guest is Mr. Matt Pierce from Okeechobee, Florida. Matt, thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate you having me. Matt, I would like you please to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. Okay, Joe. I'm a, a sixth-generation Florida rancher. Um, I grew up uh, in FFA and showing cattle and learning about agriculture. Grew up on a 6,000-acre ranch in Glades County that my family owned. Uh, that's where I got my basis of you know horsemanship and handling cattle and, and working cattle and uh, being around cows. Um, I went to high school in Okeechobee and uh, went to ABAC to school and got a, a associates in ag business. And then I came back and worked for some large ranches like Rollins Ranch, Adams Ranch, uh, Bright Hour Ranch when they were in existence. And then um, went into the sales force uh, working with Electron Animal Health when they were in the animal health business. And then uh, recently, uh, about 20 years ago, I guess, I uh, went to work for Purina. And I've been, been with them for 20 years now. And, and Matt, uh, I think one of the parts of your business it has been the heifer development. So we will try to focus our conversation on heifer development, but we can expand as we need. And uh, the first thing on the heifer, heifer development of your program, I'd like to to ask you uh, on the genetics standpoint, what do you think is an attractive heifer for your program? Okay, Joe, so a little bit about our program. I mean, we, we source about 500 head of heifers a year. Now, I can't make those heifers. Uh, fr from my operation, um, one day I'd like to get to there, but we have to buy a lot of heifers. Um, so when, when I look at the genetics, I look at known sires, um, whether it be through the Brangus breed or the Beefmaster breed or, or Brayford or, and, and Brahmin. I mean, all these heifers, I have to have a, a percentage of Brahmin influence, um, at, at least three-eighths or, or better. I mean, uh, we, we, I don't deal with a lot of uh, half-bloods or, or better because um, I have trouble getting them bred. Um, you know, but there is some longevity in there. So, so what what I'm looking for is known genetics from the sire side, and then a core cow herd. So I've got three or four guys that I'll buy large groups of heifers, replacement heifers that are paying good money for bulls that have got proven EPDs and and genetics behind them. Uh, like I say, whether it be Brangus, Brayford, or, or Beefmaster. So that's that's kind of the cornerstone. Is is and what I have to do to buy them is to get known genetics uh, of, of where they come from. And, and Matt, considering the buyers that come to get heifers from you, do you think they would have a preference for a specific breed or a color, or you have all different types of buyers and all, all preferences? Um, so to answer your question, most of the buyers that I deal with would prefer a black heifer, you know, above the Brangus influence. Um, but, but in our program, we'll have probably 60% Brangus heifers. Uh, true Brangus heifers with some, you know, ear and navel uh, that that will have some longevity, and then we'll have the balance of that, you know, twenty percent Beefmaster, twenty percent Brayford type. Um, so, so there, you know, I, I've got a clientele that that likes the red cattle, and that's growing. Um, you know, that that's one thing I've seen is is the 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 growing of, of red cattle, whether it be in Santa Gertrudis type or Brayford or or Beefmaster, but th those are and they, there's some excellent genetics out there that are going to the maternal side, and, and that's where the, those breeds have done a good job, and that's where that demands come from. 
and Matt, on, on this program that you sometimes raise or buy your heifers, so you probably target to breed them as our yearlings, right? That's correct. Yeah, we we, we just AI'd uh, a set of heifers in Florida here in, in Okeechobee. And then those heifers would have been August and September of last year. So, you know, they'd be, what, 15 months old or so. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's that's the target. As you mentioned, the AI, we can transition to the reproduction part. And uh, how is uh, what is your criteria to AI a group of heifers or to turn the bull out or if you do both in the same group? Um, yeah, um, so... So in where we send the heifers in Alabama, which will go to grazing, um, they, they all get natural sired. Uh, so, so what we'll do is we'll sort those into weight and age groups, and we'll have two bull turn-in dates. Uh, we'll turn in the 1st of December on the heavier cattle, which will be the older cattle. And then uh, we'll turn in January 1st, 30 days later, to let those other cattle keep up. And, and then, you know, that, that gets a couple things done. We, we get them bred when when they're mature and, and, and weigh enough and then also we'll have two calving seasons uh that that will be 90 days well they're actually 72 days we only expose those heifers for 72 days they get three heat cycles and then we'll, you know there's another set that comes behind them so so we can sort those up into 30 day pregnancy windows and that's how we add some value and sell those heifers but the cattle in florida we we typically there'll be a hundred head of those and we'll ai those every year because they're they're on this facility that we can handle them through the chute three times. They're easy. They're gentle. It's usually a two man crew that 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 works them, and and they're usually the bigger, better end of the heifers. You know, we, we try to take the the smaller end and not even wean those as a replacement. You know, so there'll be some good heifers that don't make it because of age and weight. And Matt, uh, with your experience in AI in those heifers. Uh, what you can tell us that you learn over time on the protocol and the procedure and the the outcome? Um, that's a good question because I think everybody struggles with that. Um, we've done this. This is our fifth year, and um, you know, I, I, I um, we, we have a strict criteria. They have to meet the age and weight, and then um, what we try to shoot for. What well, just to back up, the reason we started this was when bulls were so expensive or when people thought they were expensive at the peak of the cow cycle um, and, and calves were bringing $1,400, you know, bulls were expensive. So what we were trying to do is to AI some cattle and cut down our, our bull turnout in half. Mm -hmm. um, so our target was 50%. Well, the first year we did it, I think we got a 25% conception rate and we were discouraged, but, but we changed our protocol. Um, we, we moved, you know, the next year and, and we got better. So we peaked out at about 37%. My target's 50%. Um, I think, you know, we'll know in a couple weeks how these heifers did, and, and I'm pretty optimistic because we changed some things. There's some things next year uh, with Dr. Manelli that we're already going to change for next year and working with, with him and the university to to reprotract score some cattle, to, you know, to, to, to do some puberty work, I guess you, you would call it, and and try to, um, to, to reach that target. But I think it, people's... Uh, when you take a hundred heifers, and if you're realistic, you know there's only eighty percent of them that really are worth or 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 meeting your target. But you got the twenty in there with them, so you're going to run them through the program. So if you start with eighty and you're only going to get forty, you're when you back those numbers out, that's where we're at on that thirty percent. You know, if you really cut your numbers and and started with the best, you you would be at fifty percent. 
um, and, and that's our target. But um, we'll see what this year's done. But but it's it's a rigorous schedule that we go through. And what we found on the AI heifers is when we go through the program, what doesn't get bred AI is coming in that first heat after it. So most of the heifers, uh, about 60% of them are calving in the first 30 days, which is a big benefit in what we do. So uh, that w would be my next question, but you just answered. So you think there is a value in that hormonal treatment that even if you don't AI those heifers, you can get them bred with bulls? And they will come earlier and probably more tight. Yeah, that's correct. Because you're starting that system, you know, and whether you catch them through the AI, you know, if, if you don't, then you've got your, your bull service. And, uh, and, and yeah, I would agree with that. That's that's kind of our target. We're seeing that, you know, in the first 30 days, the, the majority of the cattle having calves. And I don't want it to be bounced around, but when you talk about the AI, I think it's an important thing. So when you AI, you have much more flexibility on the bull. Right, because you can go to a catalog and pick and select. So when you do your heifers, wh what is your target there selecting bull for those heifers? Um, well, we we're trying to find a low birth weight, you know, Cavanese bull. That that's the main thing. That's the first criteria. And then second would be, you know, some sort of uh, carcass merit because these cattle are going to be early weaned, and so so we don't we're not necessarily looking for you know a really high weaning weight EPD. But, but we're wanting the calf to come out unassisted and then, you know, hit the ground energetic. And then, you know, 200 pounds, we're going to put the feed on them and then hopefully capitalize on those genetics. So that, that's kind of what we're looking for, you know, a two phase, a, a low birth weight, and then, you know, some sort of growth uh, carcass uh, merit. And do you uh, AI, let's say you talk, you talk about 80% Brangus heifers. So do you breed those heifers to Brangus bulls or in the first time you breed to Angus bulls? Um, on the first time uh, out of the five years, four years, we've bred them to low birth weight Angus bulls. Um, you know, one year we bred to uh, a, a low birth weight Brangus bull and, and, you know, we had some success, uh, but, but mainly we're just going, you know, I mean, I think you could do either way. It's just our preference is to go with a low birth weight Angus bull. Okay. And, and Matt, I think the last pillar of that program, right, is genetics, reproduction, and probably one of the most important is the nutrition. Mm -hmm. Uh, can you please tell us uh, what is your program from the time that you wean that animal to the time that you put the bull with that heifer? Yeah, Joe. So typically we'll uh, we'll pick up these heifers whether they're what what we've uh, bred as as our cow herd, you know, on the uh, on the Pierce Cattle Company side or cattle that we've purchased from local ranchers. Um, what what we'll do is when when they hit this place, uh, they'll, they'll get a a 21 day medicated weaning ration that it's all you can eat, you know, and they'll eat 3% of body weight and gain three, 3.2 pounds a day. And that, that's critical because you, you're having to start out behind the eight ball because when you wean these calves in July and August, you have to get them to 750 or 800 pounds when, when you service them. So, so there's a certain window to meet your, your average daily gain. So if you can get it on the first 20 to 30 days, it helps, you know, um, if you have to start out behind, then that's a hindrance. So then we transition to a Purina limiter ration, which is high in energy. Um, they're, they're on pasture, and if, if we have to, we'll supplement haylage to them, uh, Hermathia haylage, which is what we've done the last two years, and it's really upped our performance, you know. Um, so, so when I say a limiter ration, it doesn't have salt in it or, or lemon in that way or, or lemoning by feed because it's free choice every day in, in bulk feeders. So they're eating one to one and a quarter percent of body weight. So those heifers average, you know, seven, eight pounds a day uh, on, on intake. 
So as they get to one and a quarter percent, we move to the next level. So there's a number one, a number two, a number three. So you, you want to keep them at a percent and a quarter body weight because that's the biggest thing. You know, you can feed a heifer and you have to feed a heifer to breeders yearling. That, there's nothing, that, there's no other way to do it. They, they just won't cycle. Um, but then you can overfeed them and it costs you too much. Mm. Uh, so we try to keep it in the middle. And, and it's so energy dense. That's what they're needing is energy. You know, we can provide the protein and the forage, but we're deficient in energy. So that, that's what helps. And then, you know, we have a target weight. The, this year, uh, these heifers weighed 810 pounds, um, which, which was about 50 pounds better than last year. But we did some things different. Um, you know, when, when you're filling the feeders, you're always looking at your cost. And, and you're always trying to skimp, but we, we you know, we, we kept it in check this year. Um, so, so our target on, on these through that nutritional program um, is to try to get 90 plus percent bread, and, and that pays off if you do. So we feed those heifers straight through the breeding, uh, 90 days. Um, I've done research to where uh, we, we take at, at, a, at a customer's location, we fed them through the breeding season, and you get 90 percent. The next year, he thought he was going to take and, and save some money, so we fed him up until the day he turned the bulls in. So we, we fed him 90 days less, and he was 20% off on his conception rates on the same cattle. And, and, and that 20% of heifers, you know, getting bred sure, sure would have paid for the feed. So, so that's it. So then when they move, when we pull the bulls out, we transition them to a, uh, a high-fat molasses product and, and summer them on that. And, and Matt, um, my uh, last uh, question to you today it will be, you also have the experience to develop heifers in Georgia, Alabama, and in South Florida. So those are really different conditions. So can you please tell us your experience and the pros and cons of both systems? Yeah, Joe, we, we've developed heifers in, uh, in Perry, Georgia, in Cordial, Georgia, um, and, and it consistently still do in Mobile, Alabama, and then in Okeechobee, Florida. And the difference, I would say, is the Alabama and Georgia cattle are on uh, some sort of winter forage, but, but they're also on feed. You know, people that say that they can just do it on winter forage, I think they're pulling your leg. They have to put some feed with it. Um, but, but it also, the reason we feed in Alabama is because it increases our stocking rate. We can put 500 head on less acres, so we feed them a little bit. Feed's cheaper up there. And, uh, you know, we have the, the feed wagons and stuff that we don't have down here. Um, you know, in Georgia, the biggest thing is rotating on and off to where, you know, cattle aren't laying on the grazing. So we, we have a water in a pasture that, and then there's no water on the grazing. So they have to, they have to come out at night or we'll put, push them out at night to save the grazing. Um, there's a lot of expense in grazing. It's probably, you know, around, I'd say 180 to $200 an acre. You know, so, so you've got that cost in it. You, you can do it a little cheaper, but then some of the cons are, are trucking cattle up and trucking cattle back. Uh, that expense in it, um, whether it be Alabama or Georgia. Um, in, in, in Alabama, we've got the full facility, so we use it all year. Um, in summer, we use crabgrass. In the winter, we use the, the forage, uh, the, the winter forage. Uh, so we don't have to worry about moving cattle on and off. In Georgia, you're always working with a farmer. So you have to come in behind an early crop like uh, corn, and if you come in behind cotton, then you're too late, and you only get a short grazing period, and then you have to come off early because they're ready to plant another. So, so there's a lot of struggles in the Georgia deal unless it's dedicated farm or you know grazing land. Uh, the one thing that's constant in Florida is I know what my feed cost is. Um, it's provided every day through a bulk feeder. 
um, they're they're right here for 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 me to see them, not like you know somebody else looking at them in Alabama or Georgia. And and then um, you know this is actually where they're going to come back to, so so that you haven't changed their their system, um, you know in in, in forage. Uh, they're, they're getting a limited ration. They're on Hermathia, you know, rough, tough grass, and that's what they're going to live the rest of their life on if they come back here. But but all those systems work for a certain reason. You know, down here we don't we don't have enough acreage to, to do the volume. You know, in Alabama we do because that's this the single source of what we do up there. So so each place has its pros and cons, and and it works as a as a unit. You know, but but I would say um, there, there's some other areas. You know, in North Florida. That, that folks send cattle to that are that are on grazing and feed that work out really good. Um, you just got to know your cost and, and have that in your budget and know that you know what you're what you're feeding. If um, on a general standpoint, if you have to think about cost, comparing both systems, like going north or staying here in South Florida, we would say it's better comparable or worse to raise heifers in South Florida. Um, it, I, I can raise a heifer in South Florida cheaper than I can in Georgia or Alabama, um, but it comes down to land. The land's worth more. You know, we can do more with a cow calf on it, so that's why we send the heifers up there because of volume. But but it's costing about three hundred fifty dollars a head in feed and medicine and mineral in Okeechobee. Now there's some other cost in that. Um, it's it's a it's about that uh, or maybe a little bit less in Alabama. Uh, by the time you figure your planting cost, your handling and trucking, you know, back and forth, um, because you're 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 sending a hundred up and you're sending fifty back, you know. So so you have some trucking now. Th now what we do is is we own our own trucks up there. So so those those heifers are, are are brought back as kind of a customer service. That's part of it. We sell those heifers delivered, so a guy doesn't have to worry about freight. But yeah. So Matt, we are going to the end of our conversation today, and I will ask you three questions here. So if you have to select two cattle breeds that you like the most, which one would be? Joe, if I had to select two breeds, um, the first one would be a, a, a half Semitol, half Angus uh, for terminal. I mean, everybody's selling calves, um, and, and just so much more meat and bone if you're picking the right ones than just, say, a straight Angus the way the breed's gone. Um, that's the one thing we've seen on Brahmin type cows or English type cows. You're going to get more pounds. Um, and, and if you breed those to the right Brahmin type cows, you can keep all the heifers. So you're getting maternal and, and you know, your, your terminal. Um, and then, then the other breed would be some sort of Brahmin. Uh, I'm not going to be specific. It may, it may be a Brahmin. It may be a beef master. Um, it, you know, it, it may be a Brangus. But um, my, my training was we had a three breed rotation. It was Brahmin, Hereford, and Angus. And, and until you breed those until you got too far one way and then you bred back the other way. And, and, and that was before, you know, there was a lot of crossbred bulls, you know, in the 70s. Um, so, so now you can use Brangus or Beefmaster and fill in those gaps or straight Brahmin, you know, to some English cattle. And, and that's what we try to do is, um, is, is match those up. And if you have to select two forage species that you like, um, two forage species would be uh, probably number one Bahia, uh, just because it's so versatile and, and if you manage it right, rotate on it, um, you, you can do good. You can cut some sod off of it, you can cut some seed. Uh, one thing, it, we, we renovate a lot of our pastures with aerators um, 
and, and every time we break the ground, we're putting a hairy indigo or an astronomy or some sort of legume. And, and I think, you know, bahia grass with a legume is the best thing you can do. Um, Hermothria has got a place with us. I mean, I, I like Hermothria. We, we've started cutting haylage and, and feeding haylage to our yearlings and to our bulls and, and some cows that we've got. Um, so, so we'll cut haylage and then dry hay too. Uh, so we have some dedicated hay fields that, that we won't, um, we won't graze, but then I've got some other pastures. We have some heavy muck soils down on the lake that, that we plant Hermothria on and, and uh, we have a high stocking rate, but we also have some bahia that we rotate on with it. So th those would be the two grasses that I would. And, and Matt, when you are not working, so what are the hobbies that you have that you like to do with your family and other things that you do in life? Well, that's tough because I have two jobs uh, with Purina and then with Pierce Cattle Company. And, and I do a lot with the Florida Cattle Association, um, being the president-elect. Um, and promoting our industry. Uh, I'm kind of a workaholic. I like to work, but whenever I, I take time, um, I like to go to Gator football games uh, with my family and travel. Um, I like to travel with my wife. We go to a lot of places and see a lot of things, and then uh, I like to hunt with my kids. So that, that's pretty pretty beneficial. That's great. Uh, Matt, I'd like to thank you today for your time and participating in the podcast. I am Joe Vendramini. Joe what? <laughs> <laughs>